Sound Pages is a literary series featuring resident artists in the Jack Straw Writers Program. Nothing fills your body more completely than your father's sudden absence from his. This program features the work of 2020 writer Riley T. McCutcheon. In the first half, you'll hear their conversation with curator Anastasia Renee, recorded in the Jack Straw Studio. Would you tell us a bit about your Jack Straw project? The project that I'm working on, I've been working for, on it for a year and a half or so already. Um, it started at the Lambda Literary Emerging Writers Retreat in 2018. I wrote uh, a sestina, and it had repeating refrains and elements in it. And the way that I had been reading it in workshop, the leader of the workshop stood me up and was like, I'm going to tell you, like, she put her hand like on like on my diaphragm and like pushed on it for certain words. Like it was really intense and wonderful. And one of the other students in it like started choreographing things. And I felt very like it was a religious experience putting together this piece that was not just words. So that piece became the focal point of a 12-minute multimedia show that I've been performing a couple places. It doesn't have a title yet, uh, but the centerpiece is called Twitch. The first piece that I perform in it is called Top Ten Reasons You're Gay. And the middle piece in it is called What If the Moon Was an Uncircumcised Dick? And each of these has a projected photograph or sort of title card that goes along with the performance. I have choreography that I do, and I go through a weird costume change mm-hmm. throughout the process. And I want to add more to this strange, sort of dragalicious, sort of photograph, sort of dance, weird thing. What connects you most to your genre of writing? My body. More recently, my spirit, which feels like a little bit of a scary thing to say. Uh, When I'm writing something or performing something that I not even know to be important, that just is important, that I feel that it is. The way that I feel that, one of the ways is I start to, like, sweat a lot. (laughs) Um, And especially if I'm writing something important for a longer period of time, say for, like, 30 minutes or more, like, I'll just be, like, all pitted out. (laughs) Um, And then I'm trying to bring more of that into the work that I'm doing in a more visible way. What pushes you to write? And then after that, what pushes you to keep writing? Uncertainty. And this is like with a capital D, like the the darkness. Not the band, but like the concept of darkness, uncertainty, the unknown. Because I, I live there in a lot of ways. Like I don't. Like, it's not the only place I live, but I got a root there all the time. And I feel a push to write as a way to process and cope with that, which makes it sound like that's, like, 
a bad thing. I don't think it is. It's just a thing. Hmm. Um, it has like many features. I was going to say upsides and downsides, but I don't believe in that like strict of a like binary between those two things. But getting through rough shit, basically, that's what pushes me to write um, and uncertain shit and also owning uncertain things and un- things that make me feel uncertain and being like, this is valid and putting words onto something, even if it might be the wrong words. And then I keep writing because based on my sharing that writing with somebody many, many years ago, and it's not just one person I'm thinking about, it's many people over and over again who were supportive. They were like, I feel this too. And I was like, oh, I wrote this because I needed it. But like, I think other people, there's something, there's some version of this that I think other people might need. And that's what keeps me writing and keeps me coming back to the work. What's been your biggest epiphany that you've experienced based on your work or your personal writing journey? It can be big or small. If you asked me this question two years ago, the answer would be completely different. I feel like I I go looking for big epiphanies all the time. Uh, like I want to go where my work challenges me the most. So uh, the epiphany that I've been sort of chewing on I think for the last year or six months has been the integral role, like the deep value in destruction and subtraction. And I definitely mean that within my work. And I definitely mean that within poetry. We didn't even talk about what my genre was, I realized. I I, I write in multiple genres. I work hybridly, but poetry calls me, has called me the earliest and the most strongly and the most frequently. And part of that Right now, my connection to that is being fueled by this idea of it being a sort of destructive practice because you're using language. Not all poets do this, but poetry offers the opportunity to use language in this way that breaks it and messes it up and fucks with it a little bit um, or a lot. And also there's often an emphasis on what's not there or what's been taken out. And that, to me is very interesting, and also it's something that I've been thinking about in terms of life values and political values, too. Like, not just, like, what do we build? Like, what do we remove? What do we take down? What do we destroy? I find that it's often uncomfortable for writers to take time out to celebrate their own work. What do you celebrate about your work? What are aspects about your work that you are cheering yourself on about? I don't feel shy about that at all. <laughs> good, good. Uh, I make my work for me to enjoy it, and also uh, I edit it for other people to enjoy it. So I really love all of the ways that body shows up in my work. Like, that's what calls me to it, and I feel very familiar with it. But in particular, the way that I use sound and the way that I sort of, like, approach and or position myself and objects in a piece, if successful, causes something in the body of the people that I'm sharing it with. And that's what I want. And that's, I think that's kind of a cool magic trick. What would you tell your youngest Riley 
writing self, if you could go back in time, what would you say to them? Stop waiting for anybody's permission. Just do the thing. Just do the thing. Just do the thing. I think that might be for all of our <laughs> younger writing selves. Yeah. Now we'll hear a selection from Riley's live reading. The Drinking Distance. My love is missing. I am missing. We for one another find milk more toothsome than gasoline. I drink. My love drinks more miles than any stomach can stomach. Above our aorta, wound tight with it, missing, we sweat against the planks. Sweat swings for fences, we swing for all that is built to hold and distinct, we too from shuffle, hold, shuttling, internal organs, wandering externals, hung from the lights along I-5, a freeways, a glitch in us. The glitch in our bloodstream, holding tensions, uneven, cracked, white knuckle of a mountain in the distance. A hand goes into the hole where my father used to be, grabs on to the steering wheel, slipping. If you do it hard enough, driving can be a kind of prayer also. My love is missing. I am missing. We, for one another, find milk, drink on the bus that smells always like gasoline. Spornographica. Yours were the first and most formidable erections to cover this earth. After you came and went under, there were others. After you came, the sublimely simple slime that moves like itself, but also sort of like you. We will name it after you. Puff. Puff. Pass on, feed on all that has passed on, reproduce intimacy with death, a silver lining, wet, and you, precious, are a maiden no longer dancing the bone dance. You are no longer an animal, even. Much more historic, softer, risky, round, expansive underneath, delicacy. Above, you will kill with color and easy give into the teeth. Once tender and firm, you said, Let me take you somewhere new. You can fall without gravity. Brush and release me. So easy is how it feels to be with. Senses slip in, out, like, against. Let me show you, no. Let me taste you. But in reverse. Compose yourself so that I might decompose you. As I do, at the luminous, fuzzy, destructive pace which suits this soft, fruiting body. And so I ate. And so we arrived 
from the present to an earth before leaves and veins and blood. I ate your body. In return, you ate mine. Waking Up After Ritual to Read Each Other by William Stafford We rode bikes through an endless cemetery. The geography shifted around us like the landscape of a video game map. Rode until all the air ran out of our tires. The steel wheels met pothole, gravel, asphalt. It wasn't our fault, digging into grass between stepstones in the path. When we finally stopped, the ghosts came down from the trees, placed bedsheets over us. They cut out our eye holes with mouths translucent and cold. It was refreshing to see you like this again. And then, just like that, we were fucking. And not like this body part was meeting, kissing, going into, passing through that body part. Not like that. Everything between us, breath and glance, you adjusting your torn mouth hole, the ghosts between your body and mine, every flex and twitch, all of it. It was all fucking. When I wake up, clung wet to the bedding, I wept as the knowledge returned. Body run through with the memory of all the between the sheets things my ancestors did, my ancestors are doing to you, to yours, a chord struck to wakefulness, know what occurs, recognize the fact. 400 years of off-white lullabies. Awake, people. Be awake. Follow some mountain into a church parking lot. Only cry when moving legs he gave you. Something's gone from the weather. Seasons ain't what they used to be. Slip past a sticky guillotine behind a pickup speeds brazen into the space that frame once was before the light hangs changed. Too salty-eyed, slow reflex. Fuck! Scrapes lung and air becomes irregular, unelemental breath. Gut punch to too alive a diaphragm full but not holy. Nothing fills your body more completely than your father's sudden absence from his. Horseshoes he flung, spraying luck, end over end, hungry for iron, for clang, but small thud in the dense gray particles, then nothing. Stick a hand in, dig out something, Dirty nails. Try. What you want to write about him is anything else, but he is dead. There. It be. Beast unseen. Beast both is and isn't in the room. It feels 
long before you feel it. You feel it. Stiff. Nine. Months. Numb. Then discover pleasure. Discover grief. Discover pleasure and grief as neighbors, secret siblings, perhaps even lovers. In this rendition, when spirit comes, interior wedges open the vast cathedral walls, and then the couple streams in together, ocean of excruciating light, each photon bigger than the observable universe, only then wholly heaping, pristinely disordered endings falling over into and through until you're finished. You might also claim that this all began last night in the woods when some divinely sculpted animal gave you back your grandmother name as you belched her belch between honeysuckling each other, you belched they summoned Iris. Name of the dead father's dead mother who rattles through whenever a truly majestic belch makes conduit of your esophagus. A block from home, try to save a drying out sidewalk worm by spitting on it, nudging soft body toward damp dirt Forget about January. Forget freezing. Forget the skin yellowing exponentially every time your legs ferried those survived by back through the emptied ward so they might ache and ache three hours after. The body became a day-old bruise. The green before the bloom, your earthworm turns out to be a twig. First stone. The sky sitting on my chest. The grasses in my lungs. My thighs hurt like the earth. Every stone is the first stone when it comes to casting. Clavicle undance, fascia without fashioning, salt foot, spider candy. Peel back your patterns. Before transformation, nobody warns you how exhausting it is to be new, molecule preceding music. I didn't have to react. Your body is already bursting with permission. Thank you. Sound Pages is a Jack Straw production, produced by Alyssa Keen and Daniel Gunther at Jack Straw Cultural Center. Our recording engineers are Steve DeTori, Daniel Gunther, Joel Maddox, and Ayesha Ubiatilaka. Our theme music is by Sassy Black, produced through the Jack Straw Artist Support Program. The 2020 curator of this program is Anastasia Renee, and the narrator for this podcast is Alyssa Keen. The Jack Straw Writers Program was inspired by an over-the-back fence conversation in 1996 between author Rebecca Brown and Jack Straw Executive Director Joan Rabinowitz. 
The program is made possible with support from the City of Seattle Office of Arts and Culture, Four Culture King County Lodging Tax Fund, the Washington State Arts Commission, the National Endowment for the Arts, Arts Fund, and individual contributors. Special thanks to Larry Lawrence for transcribing our writers' interviews. All of the writers heard in this series are published in the Jack Straw Writers Anthology. You can subscribe to this and other Jack Straw podcasts through your favorite podcast app. To hear more episodes and learn about our other programs, visit us at jackstraw.org. Thank you for listening.